smartcast you're listening to a hindustan times production brought to you by hd smartcast Over the last two weeks, the big story has been actor Shah Rukh Khan's son's arrest over drug charges. Aryan Khan has been denied bail twice, even though no drugs were actually found in his possession. What is this case about? And is Aryan Khan being prosecuted? And is he being made an example of by the Narcotics Control Bureau? Over the next half hour, we'll be speaking to India's top defense lawyer, Rebecca John, to understand how this case reflects and whether it departs from the normal practices of the NDPS or the Narcotics Act. So my first question to you really is that we've seen that Aryan Khan has been in custody for 20 days. Uh, and this is, as I said, he wasn't really caught with possession of any drugs. Now, is this unusual or under the NDPS Act, is this expected? Ordinarily, I would say that bail should have been granted at the very first instance uh, because Aryan Khan was not, as per media reports, uh, was not found in possession of any drugs. At the highest, it could be said that uh, two persons accompanying him or one person accompanying him had some small quantity in his possession. Uh, and that was not sufficient ground to, to deny him bail. Uh, so I would have uh, not been here on your show and commented on this if this was any ordinary case. But apparently the NCB wants to make this into an extraordinary case. Uh, and uh, that is the reason why, despite the fact that this young man had no drugs on his possession, there is no evidence to suggest that he was consuming drugs at the time of his arrest. Uh, and there doesn't seem to be any apparent nexus of a larger kind uh, from the facts and circumstances which are available in the public domain. Bail should have been granted to him as a matter of right. Its denial, therefore, uh, is uh, a matter of concern because India's criminal jurisprudence says that bail is the rule, jail is the exception. So even within a strict liability law like the Narcotic Drugs and Psychotropic Substances Act, where there are stringent provisions for bail for certain offenses, small quantity offenses, uh, there, is, uh, there is never any jail term uh, in the first instance, unless, of course, you are convicted. So to that extent, this case has thrown up uh, a lot of uh, legal issues. And as practitioners, we are concerned about some of the violations that are apparently taking place. Now, NCB says that they've cited previous instances as well. In fact, the Riya Mukherjee case, uh, they cite that they need these people because he's been denied bail twice and now it comes up before the high court. They say that custody is required because they're actually, and bail has been denied because they're actually looking at a larger drug racket. I wanted to ask you that If anyone, because 
this is Charas. And if anyone, uh, could you say as a criminal lawyer, if they are arrested uh, anywhere in Delhi and they're not well known, usually they are immediately bailed out? If there is no possession or if the highest they can show as far as um, uh, constructive possession in, 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 in a partner's uh, custody is six grams of, uh, of hashish, I would say yes. There's an interesting concept which, uh, as a journalist, uh, covering courts and covering the criminal justice system for some time, I've never heard which uh, the judge mentioned and the court mentioned in the last court hearing denying bail where they said, that there is, while it may not have been in his person, Aryan Khan's person, there is a case of conscious possession made out. Can you please explain to us in general terms what this legal term means? What is conscious possession? So conscious possession is not be de- uh, has not been defined under the NDPS Act. And maybe that is the reason why there is a little difficulty in grappling with what this term actually means. But it has been the subject matter of several decisions of the Supreme Court and um, and several high courts as well, where, uh, but it comes into play largely when large quantities, commercial quantities are, are recovered. So for example, if you're traveling in a car and a recovery is made from three of the occupants of the car, which, uh, which recovery will uh, quantify as a commercial quantity, The driver of the car is well within his rights to say, look, I was just driving them. I didn't have any idea that they were carrying uh, uh, these drugs on their person or something illegal was happening. Then it is for the court to determine whether the driver had the knowledge in the facts and circumstances of the case uh, about the fact that the other three uh, occupants of the car had large quantities of drugs on them. Uh, And that is called conscious possession. Uh, on on many occasions, courts turn down the plea of the prosecution and say that from the facts and circumstances of the case, we are not able to determine conscious possession of an individual from whom nothing was recovered. Uh, at the same time, there have been cases where the Supreme Court has said that from the facts and circumstances of the case, we are able to determine that although the driver of the car or whoever else did not have anything on his person, there is enough Conscious possession, there's enough to connect him with the term conscious possession. Uh, so this really depends on the individual facts and circumstances of a case, whether there's evidence to suggest that person A knew that person B was in fact carrying drugs which he should not have carried. And if I knew it and I was party to, and by I, I mean the accused was party to the fact that uh, person B had the drugs on his person, then the terminology is extended and the offense is extended on the basis of conscious possession. So to get into another point over here, because we're clarifying a lot of these things which are emerging from the case over here, one contentious bit which has been pointed out again and again by those who are watching this case closely is that there was no medical test done on Aryan Khan. Uh, Do you think that that's okay uh, as a defense lawyer? Uh, Or do you think that that sounds very suspicious and unlike how investigators or police officials would treat a regular drugs case? Well, whether or not a test was done on him uh, is something which the prosecution has to answer. 
it is not for Aryan Khan or any accused person to answer. Obviously, an accused is not going to volunteer and say, get a test done on me. Uh, uh, so it is for these are protocols that a prosecuting agency must follow. So I will look at it as very shoddy prosecution, prosecution, which uh, or prosecution, which was aware of the fact that he did not have drugs in his possession and was not consuming drugs. But either way, if the prosecution wants to establish that although we did not find drugs on his person, he had been consuming drugs just before we arrived, then it was for them to collect the evidence. So the fact that he did not get a med- they did not get a medical test done uh, works against the prosecution. Apart from this, what you call shoddy prosecution, because they were not following protocol, are there any other things, just as someone who has worked closely with the law, and as someone I'm sure you've been tracking this case, as a lot of us have, is there anything else that stabs you? Sunitra, my information may even be less than yours, uh, and I've only uh, tracked it in the media to the extent that time permits me to track it. Uh, But uh, there has been enough outrage, uh, at least on social media, I don't know whether that's true or false, that some of the persons who were, um, who acted as attesting witnesses in this case, were really not independent witnesses, but were stock witnesses of the NCB. Um, They were given far, they were given powers far in excess of what they should have been given. Some of them were seen holding and handling these, uh, these young men. a power which only the NCP should uh, should exercise. It was almost as though they were effecting the arrest. Uh, at least that is what the videos uh, uh, suggested. If the NCB has a better explanation for that, then I'll stand corrected. Uh, all of this kind of makes it uh, a little suspicious. A li- little suspicious. You see, a prosecuting agency. It doesn't really matter who the actors in this case. Uh, are. It doesn't matter who is the accused. It doesn't matter whether the accused is the son of a, of a, of a famous actor. But every prosecuting agency must conduct itself in a manner which is credible, which is trustworthy, and with the highest degree of integrity. An accused person, of course, has the right to say this and that was not done. But a prosecuting agency must follow the law. And if they are seen violating the law, then I have a problem with it because it is it, it is the very bedrock of our criminal jurisprudence. Prosecution must always put forward its case in the most credible, credible trustworthy manner with legal evidence. So it doesn't matter what gossip columns may say about this case. At the end of the day, you must have legal evidence to prosecute a person. And that is not confined to the NDPS Act that is that is applicable to any case for any person, rich or poor, famous or not famous. So the least expectation that we as citizens have from the system is that the prosecuting agency is conducting itself in a manner which is credible and trustworthy. Once that is established, then they have every right to say in court that we are we will be able to prove this uh, prove the uh, the charge against the accused person. But once serious doubts have been raised on the credibility of the prosecuting agency, and it is for them to respond to these charges, not for me, then, of course, it becomes a problem. Uh, so uh, this case stands out largely because um, something has been made out of a much smaller event. Uh, 
uh, the way I look at it, uh, these people were arrested with uh, no uh, drugs or very small quantities of drugs, which the act does not treat as serious. It is otherwise a very, very stringent act. And the person who has been, whose bail has been denied has now, now it appears that after effecting the arrest, you are making theories and you're coming up with allegations which are largely unsubstantiated. Now, this is a problem I've had with, the, uh, with prosecuting agencies of late. You first have a story, you immediately effect an arrest, and then you go around looking for evidence to, uh, to match the story that you have in your mind. I'm afraid that's not how intelligent prosecutors must conduct themselves. You arrest only when there is sufficient material to justify the arrest. You can't conduct a fishing and rowing, rowing inquiry after the arrest is effective, saying, oh, we are looking into this, we are looking into that. That was your job before you effect an arrest. So particularly since the young man did not have drugs on his possession, particularly since you did not conduct any tests which would suggest that he had consumed drugs, it was necessary for the prosecuting agency to wait and not press the button as fast as they did. They should have waited. It is possible that some of what they are saying is true. I, I cannot discredit it at this stage. I'm not in, uh, in possession of the case material. And if indeed there is a larger conspiracy, if indeed there is evidence to show that he was regularly peddling with drugs, then you should have collected verifiable material, placed it before a court, and then simultaneously arrested the person. But you haven't done any of that. You are still saying after 20 days that you are investigating the various angles to this, uh, to this case. Then what necessitated the arrest? And that, that is what surprises me. Uh, I would not uh, for a minute be uh, critical if the reverse had been, uh, had been followed, where you collected the, uh, the material and then justified your arrest. At the moment, you're open to the charge that this is a witch hunt, you have no material uh, with you, and you've arrested a person whom you should not have arrested. And the fact that various politicians, uh, for instance, Nawab Malik, NCP, uh, has weighed in, he's holding daily briefings on uh, and making allegations about the NCB chief. I wanted to ask you as a lawyer, do you think that the politics of it all influences a case? What kind of impact do you see that having? I mean, I would ideally expect politicians to stay away from cases. I think this is, uh, this is part of the legal system. And it's really entirely between prosecuting agencies, defense counsels, and the court. Uh, and um, uh, the minute it gets entangled with politics, then you, you begin to see a very muddy picture. Uh, and it can lead to traversity of justice. It can lead to uh, a situation where uh, a person escapes uh, uh, the, the, the provisions of the law, uh, and it can lead to a case where uh, an innocent person is implicated. Either way, it is bad for the system. So typically, I would expect this to be free from politics. Unfortunately, in India, everything now is connected with politics. I have to also draw your attention to a case which seems kind of similar, uh, just like we are seeing here in Aryan Khan's case where Ananya Pandey, another Bollywood actor, has also been summoned and questioned for several hours. Uh, we saw 
a similar kind of experience with the Sushant Singh Rajput and Rhea Chakraborty, his girlfriend's subsequent arrest post his uh, suicide, where we saw the CBI months later then concluding uh, that they couldn't see any kind of conspiracy in that particular case. Do you see parallels between the two cases that the NCB handled? That would be a sweeping statement. And as a responsible officer of, of the court, I wouldn't make such a sweeping uh, a statement. What actually happens is that, um, and that's my only charge, don't convert cases into a circus. Because the minute you convert it into a circus, then everybody can weigh in and make all manner of charges against each other. Uh, if you were to conduct investigations seriously with a sense of responsibility and duty and not convert it into a circus, then none of these charges will be made. And I'm afraid the, the, the prosecuting agencies are complicit in the charge that I'm making because they do like the circus uh, around their cases. They do like the attention they are getting. Um, and um, I think we have a media which, which enjoys every moment of this journey. And together, it's a dangerous cocktail. Uh, and uh, it, it results in the trampling of rights of individual citizens, which should never happen. Even the worst criminal has the right to be defended in a court of law. Even the worst criminal is entitled to procedural and constitutional protections. Uh, so the danger with all of these cases is because they become so high profile and there's so much media attention, uh, the prosecuting agency constantly feeding the media with, in, uh, with information, it ends up becoming completely nonsensical. Uh, and um, that's when uh, I think we begin to lose the plot. So um, in all these cases, I have no idea about the merits or demerits of these individual cases. But what I did notice was the unnecessary attention they garnered and the complete circus that, uh, that uh, took place around these cases. Rebecca John, thank you so much for throwing and shedding some light on this particular matter. It has been intensely complicated and I hope that our conversation helps others uh, also get clarity on this issue. Thanks so much. Thank you, Sunitra. Thank you. Well, that was a conversation and that brings us to the end of this episode of On The Record. If you would like to share your views on it, do tweet me at Sunitra C or at HD Smartcast. Send in your feedback and I'll be back with another episode. So join us then. Goodbye. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.